and welcome to the Hack Your Mindset podcast with me, Jenny Winterleach, the Mindset Hacker. So wherever you are today and whatever it is you're doing while you're listening to this, settle in and enjoy the ride. Hi everyone, welcome, welcome to a uh, another episode of the live Q&As here with Jenny Winterleach, that's me, and um, so this evening we've got Honor O'Brien. Hi Honor. Hiya. Um so you are, what would you call yourself, a product reviewer? A product reviewer, um, I suppose, would be my right title in that that's all I do. I don't speak of my personal journeys with horses. I don't blog. It's just about the products. Okay, cool. And one of the things that you've noticed in doing that is how things have really changed in the equine industry, particularly in kit, obviously, in things like showing, um, and that perhaps uh, we've lost a bit of a focus on the sport. We've got maybe more of a focus on on kit and things. So tell us a bit more about your thoughts on that. Well, I suppose, you know, if you think back to a couple of years ago, you know, you had a black jacket. If you were lucky, you maybe had maybe two or three numbness of different colours and you had your basic set of stirrups. And now if you move forward, maybe 10, 20 years you have every color jacket going. You have jodhpurs with sequins, diamonds, lace. I mean, there literally is a choice there that would envy any whole tour catwalk um, for the rider and for the horse. And it's, you know, color is coming in, bling is coming in. And whilst I personally love a bit of bling and I love the fact that people can be different and stand out in a showing, it is also putting a huge pressure on people to keep up with the Joneses. You know, a lot of these products are exceptionally expensive. You could be paying anything from 60 to 100 and something euro for a Nomna or a nice brow band. And it can put an unnecessary pressure on riders and it can almost become a matchy-matchy or a fashion obsession where they're losing what they started horse riding for which is the love of the sport and this obsession to look good can overtake a lot of the time and I can just see that it is pressure particularly in the younger crowds that are coming up along the ranks. Yeah I totally agree with you and we were having a, a quick discussion earlier about that idea of losing focus on the sport and on the horse and the horse's way of going and your skill and perhaps having a bit more focus on how you look, whether you're in the right kit, whether you're in the latest fashionable thing. And yeah. I think, you know, I think products definitely started to change when they started to get a bit more technical, perhaps. And there was a bit of research and development behind things and people bringing out products to solve problems. And, mm -hmm. and I think that's great. And then now there is real fashion involved, isn't there? And, you know, what are your thoughts on that in, in the show ring, in how that's influenced the riding and things as well? You know, I think. Any kind of development in the equine world is very welcome. And again, if you go back 20 years, we didn't know a lot of what we do know now when it comes to benefiting the horse and equipment and atomical attack and anything that can benefit a horse and make their life easier is a huge plus. But with it comes the pressures of the fact that these manufacturers and look at the end of the day, they're in business, they're right to update their products and keep them relevant but there is such a choice you can actually now get bogged down for say you know you want to buy a bridle before you had black or brown now you have anatomical you have bitless you have so many varieties that you literally can lose thoughts of what exactly you're looking for when it comes to equestrian clothing 
Um, look, I think standing out, if that's what you like to do, is amazing. But as you said, people can lose focus. And a lot of the time it can become about who's wearing what or how much they paid for it or you know, did you see the state of her over there and that? And it can just bring in added dramas to an equestrian sector that may not be needed necessarily. Um, but, you know, it's everything is moving forward. It's developing and it's, you know, and a good choice is a nice thing to have. Yeah, I totally agree. And and what happens with you with, with products then? So it used to be that you were, what, sent things or you just reviewed stuff. How did you kind of get into product reviewing yourself? Um, I got into it because I have a marketing degree as part of my college course and a friend of mine was making new products and I suppose from an early age I always liked to stand out and I liked to do things differently. Back in the old days when I'd be in my 20s when you didn't have we'll say the blingy numbness I'd get my mom to sew on maybe a strip of lace or something onto a numna and you know I'd maybe stick little diamantes onto the brow band so I guess I was probably ahead of my time, but I just always loved things that were different. Um, so my friend recognized this and she just said, look, how do you think this would sell? So I set up a page to do it and um, it just kind of went from there. People saw it and I was just at sent more things or asked to review them. And, you know, I suppose I'm doing it now a little over three years and I've worked alongside some amazing companies um, for all things equine. They could be supplements to clothing, to gloves, you know, and it's been a brilliant opportunity for me um, with the products that I have sent and the company I've I've worked alongside. And you said to me that um, you like to showcase things. So what do, what do you mean by showcase things? By showcase, then? it's like, you know, somebody may contact me and they might just say, look, we have this product. Would you be interested in reviewing it? So I suppose with me, um, where I might kind of differ from other people is that I will only review something that I believe in. So if I've been sent a product that I, I just don't like or I don't feel it would be beneficial to me or my horses, um, I will just return it and thank them and just say, look, I don't really think I can sell this because, you know, it's just not for me. But the products that I do review, I trial them, I wear them, I, you know, I give it a couple of weeks if it's a supplement and I keep track of how it may help me or how it benefits my animals and so on. Um, but that's all I do is I only review products and what I do is I feature them in a vlog I will show people how they work or how they look on or you know in clothing different things you know the fish the stretch the wash basically I suppose what I do is I try before you buy so I show the product up close and people can get a real look for it and actually uh, experience of the product that sounds great. And what kind of feedback have you had from people and from companies and things in doing that kind of, well, it's a service really, isn't it? Um, to be honest, I've been very lucky. As I said, I've worked with amazing people. Um, they've always been very happy with it. And some of the feedback I hear back from followers or people that watch my vlogs is the fact that they're happy that they can see a product and learn about a product. You know, sometimes it is embarrassing to go into a shop and as I said, again, probably due to the amount of choice that people have, they can get lost in what they're looking for. They can lose focus on what they actually went in for. Whereas in my videos, I will show you exactly what it is, how it fits on a horse or how I find it to ride in, you know, if they're warm, if they get too cold, if they're waterproof. And people can, you know, they're familiar with the product before they buy it. 
Cool. Okay. So that's what you do then. And and we're going to get on to influencer stuff later on because that, that sort of is and sort of isn't what you are. It's certainly yeah. not what you set out to be. Yeah. Um, but let's go back then to the show ring. So I think the only place that's really keeping the tradition, and even some people <laughs> would disagree, is the show ring, like showing. Because yeah. the kind of tack and turnout rules are really quite strict. And if you go in with anything bizarre or slightly different, you're more likely to put, put down the line because the judges probably won't like that sort of thing. But when it comes to anything else in equine sport, what have you noticed have been the trends that have, have really taken off and the ones that have maybe flopped a little bit over the years? Yeah, I suppose the things that I noticed in the last year or two in particular are the diamonds and the bling. I think they were almost frowned upon up to recently because they're a little bit more out there. And I suppose it's a little bit strange to see, you know, diamantes on a horse and people, I think, possibly because of old tradition, they just weren't used to seeing it. And I remember, as I said, I, I probably was one of the first people to start really going in and just not caring about what people thought with all these blingy things that I used to import from America because you just could not get them in Ireland, certainly at the time. And even in the UK, it was a struggle. And, you know, it's kind of, I used to get the comments about, oh, just she thinks she's five, you know, these kind of nasty comments because I liked to be different just because it was my personal taste. And in the last couple of years now, I find myself looking at fellow competitors thinking, oh, where did they get that? That's really nice. Um, then you have like international riders, um, Danielle Goldstein, she rides with the feathers in her hair. She's really unique. I mean, there is nobody like her out there. And you have also Luciana uh, Denise. And I was recently watching them maybe last year and there was two male commentators and Luciana came in in a bright pink jacket and Danielle had the feathers in her hair. And the two commentators, you know, they kind of made the point of, you know, this is not something we're used to seeing. And, you know, that they they appreciated the fact that these girls, they looked different, they stood out. And it's not even about standing out from the crowd. It's just expressing your individuality. And I don't feel that anybody should judge you on your taste or what you like. You know, you may not agree with what these people do or bling or pinks on a gelding, all this kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, does it really matter? The only person that you should be worried about is your own taste and how you feel comfortable presenting your horse. And I I have the, the saying, you know, it's better to look the part and feel good. And even if you have a crap day and you knock every fence inside in that arena, you know you made the effort and you look good. And, you know, that is a compliment booster in itself. I totally agree. And um, my husband and I have always had a bit of a running joke in anything in life that we always say, well, it's 50% looking good at 50% skill. So if you can get 50% there, then why not? You know? If you look good. <laughs> and then I always used to say, look, for dressage, if I was going to wear something super blingy or super good or, you know, gorgeous boots or something like I'd have to ride to them. Like you have yes. to, because there definitely is sometimes if you're going to stand out, you want to be standing out for the right reasons, yes. don't you? And I think it's wonderful. I love the fact that you're saying, actually, 
you do express yourself like if as long as it's legal within the sport that you're doing and it's in it's just a color or bling or something and it's not necessarily a piece of technical kit or something that you shouldn't have or shouldn't do or that affects anything why not wear a pink jacket i mean the day the british dressage allowed people to wear whatever color boots they wanted because they you know eventually people said the color of your boots makes no difference it does i mean it's not going to affect your performance or the horse's performance and but it does if you feel good (laughs) well yes and, you know, a bit of variety. And I mean, even for spectators, it's sometimes nicer for spectators to have a little bit of variety instead of, you know, black boots, beige jodhpurs, black jacket. You know, it, it just I think it brings more to the viewing, um, particularly at bigger shows where people are standing out. They look different. There's different color combinations. And the horses just, you know, they're all individuals. So I think the main message that's coming through then is if you like your stuff traditional and plain, then fine. If, yeah. if that's how you want to be, that's absolutely fine. If you like a little bit of bling or a bit of lace or a bit of colour or a little splash of something different, then great. You know, as long as you feel confident. I think the danger of some of this stuff is this trying to keep up and the kind of real fashion element and particularly disposable part that's really come in recently. What have you noticed about that? Um, I think the danger, as you say, is when the matchy-matchy need to have the latest version of the colour plum. And I mean, I did not know you could have 40 variations of one shade, but apparently you can. And people sometimes, I think, just get lost in the fact that there are all these matchy-matchy pages on Facebook and social media. You know, they're being promoted everywhere. And I do know personally of some people that if they don't have the latest release of whatever brand it is, you know, they feel like they're doing themselves an injustice. Um, Now, look, I can't talk. I have many, many numbers, but I don't have 20 of them in the same color. They're all different. And, you know, again, to me, I, I can't justify spending a lot of money on, you know, the very, very slight different colors of purple or plum to be you know precise so it can get dangerous when people lose sight of the fact that you know they're keeping up with this persona that they're seen as are they achieve for themselves and i mean look at the end of the day these companies are there to make money of course they're going to release all these things as long as people will buy them but i do feel that sometimes people just lose sight of the fact that they start this hobby because they have a love of horses they enjoy the sport and it's fun and it's a day out and they just spend the time, you know, sitting in the car park or the warm up arena watching other people kind of saying, oh, you know, Mary Jane there has the newest version. I'll have to get that for next week. And that is where a danger is coming in. And I have actually had somebody discuss it with me in the fact that they were getting into debt in the amount of things that they were buying to keep on top of their game. And that's where it becomes dangerous. And actually, it is really scary. I mean, genuinely, I have had clients come to me that have come to me with riding confidence issues. Fine. Mm-hmm. And when we've started unpicking things, we have realized that actually some of it is spurred on by the fact that they're in a lot of matchy groups. Now, again, nothing against lovely matchy kit. And I think it looks gorgeous. And it's really nice no, to match yeah. your bandages with your numna with your ears and all that jazz. You know, I think it's really nice to do it. Um, but what was happening is they felt that because they were around a lot of people and a lot of companies as well who had, um, 
you know, who ran matchy companies, then obviously they'd get it discounted or they'd be sent things first and things like that. But they were still having to buy things. They weren't getting it sent oh, free yeah. or anything. And they were finding that actually because they were having to post pictures and keep up and people were waiting to see what they had and they always had to have the latest, greatest thing. It genuinely was worried, worrying them from a riding perspective because they always had to be seen to look good. And that actually, if they had an issue with their horse or they had a riding problem or they weren't being seen to be the best, and actually it was nothing to do with their riding ability that people were looking at them. It was to do with what colour and what, you know, saddle pad they had on. Um, that was really starting to affect their confidence. They were very worried about the opinions. It could be very judgmental. Um, and we actually had to, um, when they realised this and we worked through it, it was an addiction. Mm -hmm. it had yeah. actually genuinely become an addiction and it was trying to keep up and be a part of something because they were so worried about what would happen if they were no longer a part of those groups because they knew that within those groups there are actually people that will tear you down if you don't yeah. have the right kit and it really is a bit like you know mean girls and you know the horrible nasty bitchiness in the teenage playground and there can definitely be that dark side to some of this stuff there can and I suppose you know I, I've been riding my whole life and if I think back to when I was maybe 20 15 20 I found the horse community was so much more connected back then you know if you had a win everybody in the warm-up arena would be genuinely happy for you as if they'd won these things themselves and now come forward to these days and at times that ring can be a, a battle zone you know there's just i do find that that you know the support system is gone that there can be very clicky and very kind of you know as you said the mean girls versus the new girls versus the kind of old people that just don't want to be a part of a click and are just there for their horse and i think where it gets into people's heads is they enter the ring to compete and they're actually kind of scanning around to see who's watching them, to see who's passing comment on the fact that they don't have, you know, the latest release from some top equestrian brand. And they're losing focus on what they're there to do, which is to guide their horse to jump a clear round or to do a faultless dressage test or cross country course. And they're just becoming just tunnel visioned with having to be the best in this you know, having everything match or the latest colours and so on. And that's where people lose focus and it does get dangerous. I totally agree. And I think, you know, if anyone's listening into this thinking, but I just really like new stuff and that's why I do it. Um, you know, a bit like you were saying earlier, that's fine. If you want to stand out, if you want to wear something that's for you, then great. But just notice if actually you're being driven by fear of missing out, being driven by worrying about bullying or being driven by not being accepted or not looking your best. Now, we all want to turn out our horses like, you know, I do showing. I want to turn my horse out so he looks gorgeous. Of course I do. Yeah. Um, but if I don't turn up to a competition in the latest bit of kit or if I'm not in a piece of if I'm not in perfect matchy matchy when I do a clinic or something like, OK, it would be nice to. But it's it doesn't affect my ability to ride. It doesn't affect my mindset. But for some people, it really it really, really does. And, and they need to start just kind of thinking about what is driving this. Yeah, I mean, I think the way you will know if you're kind of bordering on that danger line or whether you just like your bit of fashion and you like to stand out is 
you know, do you break into a cold sweat if, you know, I said to you, oh, you're going to that show tomorrow, but look, just wear kind of a tatty pair of white old jods and, you know, don't bother putting on a veil on the horse and your boots. And I mean, some people, if you said that to them, they would literally faint at the thoughts of having to go in something old or not matchy. And, you know, if if that happens, you're on that kind of borderline there. Whereas if you are someone that just likes to look good and just likes to be fashionable, you know, in your own style, you know, at the same time, it's not going to bother you to go there for that day and just, you know, have people go, oh, my God, you know, where's her pink today? Or I wonder where her blingy fly veil is, you know. So I think you do have to distinguish which side of the fence you're on when it comes to this obsession. Definitely. And I think another interesting part of this is the pictures and the Instagram, um, Instagram ability. You know, uh, I think there we're getting on to influence culture as well, which is one thing we do want to talk about as well, which is, you know, I, I think we need to remember that there, there definitely are some people who love taking gorgeous pictures of their horse. I mean, I love it, uh, you know, and actually quite often forget to do it, even though he's gorgeous. And I really think, oh, I wish I got some pictures of that. He's lovely, you know. And um, but when we're sort of looking at Instagram or Facebook and we're trying to, um, you know, show off what we've got, fine. But yeah. there's a fine line between here. Here's what I've got. And isn't it lovely? And I must keep up. I must get the photos of my horse in the latest thing. They have to be looking perfect. I, ca- I have to take eight million photos and then pick the one of me in the perfect position, because the problem with a lot of these groups and it isn't just matchy, but it's it's horses together. But I've definitely seen it in matchy communities is that they're not just looking at the lovely set of boots and bandages and fly veil or whatever they're looking at. They actually are critiquing the rider as well and say, well, that's all very nice, but, you know, you're not riding that horse very well. Or um, And they may not overtly say this stuff yeah. because quite often it isn't necessarily overtly said, but it's implied or, yeah. um, you know, someone will say something in real life to someone else or you overhear something or there's a comment or there's a, there's entire flipping WhatsApp and DM communities that go on behind these groups as well. Absolutely. I mean, that's dangerous as well, isn't it? Yeah. And I think there is a huge, I suppose you'd call it a pressure from influencers and from Insta stars. And, you know, I think where, again, people lose the touch in reality is that you do have people that have hundreds of thousands of followers that are being paid for their posts that are being seen worldwide. And then you have, you know, you and me, basic people, we might have a couple of thousand followers and so on. And I think people, again, they're on the side of the fence where it's now almost expected that you display your life in photographs, you know, you glamorize it, you're like, oh, look, I woke up today, aren't I wonderful? Here's a photograph of me feeding my horse. And, you know, people are documenting everything they do. And it's it's this pressure and it's almost this new normal whereby you live your life for others to see and more disturbingly judge what you're doing with your horse. And, you know, whether you're putting up a photograph of you schooling around at home in a pair of ripped denim jodhpurs that you've had since you were nine or you're putting up the full show kit and the full show gear, you're always going to have someone pass comments. And this then, I think, inadvertently gets inside your head and you're fighting against a never ending battle because it's going to be, oh, well, I'm going to put up nicer photographs now or 
I, I'll get something new and, you know, I might get more likes. And it's become a like and a judge society for even the most innocent of us that, you know, people that don't even compete are feeling this pressure. And it's these little nasty digs, you know, that can come here and there about, oh, you know, your horse is looking lovely, but, oh, you know, did you not pull its mane? And it's these small things that can set off a very nasty and dangerous line of things because, social media can then lead to massive bullying people are feeling isolated and it, it is a very dangerous path to get down but people do need to realize that we're not all going to keep up with you know the maiden essex crowd or these people that have thousands of followers and you just need to appreciate what you have and somebody actually said it to me um a couple of years ago that the only people whose opinions should matter to you are those that are close to you, you know, your friends and your family. And just because some stranger in Australia that you're never going to meet in your million years passes a comment on your horse, why let it bother you? You know, you don't know them and they're probably only jealous anyway. So you do have to separate the, the importance of the comments that are being aimed at you. Definitely. One phrase that I love is um, those who care don't matter and those who matter don't care. Yeah. Um, and it's so true. Um, and, and equally, um, you know, I'm really noticing far, far more people coming to me now with imposter syndrome, which is where you don't feel good enough. You think you're going to get found out. Um, that is really becoming more and more prevalent performance anxiety. And that is now coming more and more prevalent, not because people, um, aren't able to perform or are competing above the levels they should be, or they're pushing themselves, although sometimes they are pushing themselves too much too quick, but that's another side of it normally. But because they're worried about the judgment, they're worried about the comment, they're worried about um, something that, that actually, I'm not sure goes on as much as we think it does. Now it does, of course it does. It goes on everywhere, doesn't it? People will yeah. make judgment pass comment. And yes, social media has got a part to play in that because some people will just say what they think with no filter on social media, not yeah. great. But I think also, though, even if that's not really going on, people feel like it is now. Um, and that's a worry in itself. It is. And you know what? I suppose the other side of that is that people are going to judge you no matter what. I mean, I myself, um, in the last two years, you know, I've dropped. I used to compete at a metre 10, a metre. And now I'm quite happy to go out and pot around an 80s and a 90s course simply because they're on earlier in the day. And you know what? I have a lot on in the weekends, so I sooner jump, get home and get tending to the pony or whatever else I have to do. Um, and, you know, it, it's not only when people jump above their level capabilities, but also when people just drop and start just jumping below, whether it's confidence or whether it's because like me, you just you want to get done early and get home. And it, it's just a vicious circle, no matter what way you go, because at the end of the day, people are going to talk about you. You know, you can be the best rider in the world. People will criticize you. You could be the most nervous rider in the world and people will do the same. So it's, you know, as I said, I found the equestrian community has changed so much in the last 10, 20 years. And I don't know if it's social media. I don't know if it's pressure. I don't know if it's just new people coming into the sport. But what I do know, um, and I haven't experienced it myself, is that, you know, People can be very excluding. People can be very, very nasty and they will pick up on anything, whether it's your numna or the fact that you're wearing, you know, a thousand euro hat or, uh, you know, a bargain hat from from a supermarket. People can pick up on things. And this just adds to the pressure of the rider to just try and fit in 
and it, it's becoming worse i think as as i see it going on yeah and that that brings me to this point of um there are some people that are just going to judge anyway they just are because they're unhappy or they're jealous or um they want what you've got or they they're worried that you're going to beat them so they want to bring you down you know pe people are going to do this stuff unfortunately and as lovely as it would be to think that they're not um if they're going to do it anyway then you might as well go and enjoy yourself because they're the unhappy ones and you know i work with so many clients that are worried about what other people think and it's nearly always some passing comment or some narky remark or something that was made years ago by someone in the pony club or the riding club or the wherever and um that's still sitting with them and still yeah. bothering them years down the line and then when you see those people and they get performance anxiety and they can't perform and interestingly enough um when we start to help them realize that it doesn't matter, it's the other person's stuff, like whatever's going on for them, leave them be, do your own journey, focus on your own stuff, and they let that go, nothing's changed. Whether those people were saying the things or not, yeah, nothing's changed. It's just, like you say, focus on what makes you happy. And if that's wearing what you want to wear and being in the colors you want to be in and wearing the kit that you want to wear, or, or, you know, maybe you don't get on with the latest, greatest bit of kit. You want your, your, your more traditional something because it works for you or it works for your horse or, you know, whatever. Then that's 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 your prerogative. People are going to say something regardless, and aren't I they? Think that's the joy of it is that the equestrian sphere is so vast in that, nobody's going to bat an eyelid nowadays if you show up in a pink jacket or your old-fashioned tweed coat that you know we're always in style and always will be in style and you know you just have to realize that so long as you're comfortable and you feel good and you know the only person's opinion that you should be worried about is that of your horse you know what he thinks of you because at the end of the day you know it's your relationship with your horse. And if you want to go out there and put your gelding in shocking pink numbness and blingy veils, and I'm not going to say I haven't done it to my poor gelding, you know, but that's your prerogative. And so long as it's not help hurting him, it's not hindering him, do it. You know, I mean, everybody is different in the equestrian world. I think it's quite hard with the exception of the actual traditional showing rings to find two people that are going to be identical at a show. You know, you, there's such a variety of styles, you know, tastes, and they all go and they all match and it just all combines. So nobody really can look at you and kind of just single you out as being weird or different because, you know, if they look hard enough, there's somebody else like 10 times weirder than you at the back of the lorry. And you just have to bear that in mind. I love that. It's always sometimes someone 10 times weirder than you. I think that's brilliant. And also there's, yeah, it's brilliant. And, and also, you know, people's idea of what's okay and what's not is, is massively different. And just because one person thinks it's okay or not, well, it doesn't matter. If they're not the judge in that class, they have an opinion, fine. It's all unsolicited. It's yeah, all, it hasn't been asked for. It has. And it's funny you mentioned that because I actually do find that judges, they like the fact that people are, making a little bit more of an effort in the showing um you know it's kind of like I, i've i've seen and, I, and i've had it said to me which is the biggest compliment coming from a judge you know when you're complimented on your turnout and you know the fact that they actually looking at you kind of going oh well look she looks a little bit different or that girl over there is wearing something lovely and i have noticed it in the last year i think whereby people will go into the ring and the judge might just say you know oh and looking 
you know, you look very well turned out. Your horse is lovely turned out. And that's not something that you would hear too much. But certainly where I compete here in Cork, um, one of the judges, she's she really appreciates the fact that people are making the effort and she'll compliment people wearing a black jacket. She might compliment somebody wearing a red jacket or a green jacket. So there's no one set style or taste so long as the judge, you know, they're looking and they're saying, you know what, they made an effort, they look nice. And and, and it is the biggest compliment for somebody to hear that from a peer such as the judge. I think that's lovely. And I think it's really nice that judges are supporting um, riders that have made an effort in, in whatever that, that might be. I, See, think I think as well, though, that's where we lost it slightly kind of a couple of years ago in that, I'm a firm believer that any, um, I know you're the, the British Horse Society over here, we're show jumping Ireland. It came to the point where a lot of league shows in particular, you can show up in a tracksuit, you know, a jacket covered in holes and dust, and there's nothing thought of it. And I think that's where a lot of it just kind of, we lost it in the fact that everybody lost a sense of style. Nobody made the effort. And then kind of it started coming back around at the end of last year. I hadn't seen show organizers, you know, they're offering prizes for best turned out, you know. They're trying to bring, I suppose, the style and the glamour back into things. And I thought it was the best thing ever because, you know, we all ride Monday to Friday, Monday to Friday in denim jodhpurs or plain black jodhpurs or leggings. And it's actually really nice to get dressed up and to pull out your white jods and your your nice jackets and make the effort. And I know if I was in charge of running shows, it would be absolutely mandatory that people had to get dressed up whatever way or style they want it to be, but just make an effort because it's also, you know, respectful to, to show the judge that, you know, you appreciate them being there and, you know, you're dressing accordingly. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, that's the reason that I always plait my horse for dressage. There are days when I'd really rather not and I have a grey. So there are days when I'm like, OK, do I get rid of the poo stain or do I plait? Like, which yeah. is it going to be? Yeah. But always <laughs> as much as possible plait him up because I think it just shows, particularly for, for dressage, I mean, obviously you don't really need to show jumping, that's fine. But um, I just think it shows that level of respect for the judge. Like, you know, thank you, you've made an effort to come here today. Equally, if I'm stewarding a class or if I'm judging something, I make an effort to look smart and, you know, dress up a little bit. I mean, I don't go for the full, you know, summer dress and a hat type thing. Yeah. I will wear a hat, but it might be more of a um, trilby type thing. But... Yeah. Yes, you know, that's my style. And that's the thing. It's my style. But it says, look, I've made an effort um, because you all have. And I think that's nice. I think where the, the fine line is, and I love the fact that, you know, judges are now giving out prizes for best turned out things. But as long as it's for like, we think you've made a smart effort rather than necessarily you've got the latest, greatest kit. And I yes. think that's where that very fine line is, isn't it? Between making an effort looking stylish or or whatever your style is because that's very very subjective yeah and having to keep up with the joneses and have the latest greatest thing and that's where you know riding's an expensive sport as it is and some of this stuff is getting really expensive now really expensive it like thousand euro hats and things i mean um, I don't know. We used to be able to buy a skull cap for like fifty pound, fifty euro. Now you can't get anything for less than a hundred. And maybe that's technology, but I think it's a little bit of the market driving it. 
I, I know that obviously things have progressed an awful lot in the last number of years. I mean, everything is scientifically based now and, you know, there's a hell of a lot of research and there are research teams just focusing on these things. But, you know, and obviously that has to be taken into account. But, you know, you can buy a plain black hat, we'll say, that has all these amazing technical designs, whatever, for, we'll just say, maybe 500 euro. But then you decide to color customize it, put a few diamonds and diamante things here and there, and that can double in price. So, you know, it's there is constantly the market there for more or for you to spend more if you want to. Um, and as you said, if you just prefer a plain black hat, absolutely, that's super. If you prefer a bit of bling in it and you can afford it, you know, well and good. But again, there is that line by where people are conflicted and it can actually cause people to get into a lot of debt. Yeah, that's the very worrying thing. And, you know, a comment made earlier as well in the in the in the questions and the comments here as well. is actually the second hand market is even quite alarming for some of this stuff. So discontinued colours, because this is, you know, this is marketing, isn't it? Like we cannot blame the companies for doing the things that make stuff sell, which is limited edition, creating want and need for things, limiting amounts of stuff, discontinuing things, creating demand. That's how you sell stuff. Like, you know, I've got a degree in retail management. Like I know this is the, the buyer psychology. Yeah. Um, but, you know, now things are going for three times their original price because they're a rare item or they're discontinued or, I mean, that's, it's quite crazy, isn't it really? So it's well, not even like you could just buy it secondhand now. It's, I suppose, I mean, look, at the end of the day, any company business is going to be in that business to make money. And I suppose they have researchers and they can see by their sales prices that people are willing to spend more. And, you know, if there wasn't a market for these limited edition numbness sets, whatever, they wouldn't be producing them. But I'm actually on one page on Facebook. Um, it's an American site. And they actually preview um, matchy-matchy sets that are going to be coming out maybe six months down the line. And from this page alone, they might produce 100. They'll have 100 sold there and then before these people have even felt the fabric, seen it in person. And I mean, there are these people here waiting to buy. If you bring the product to them, they will buy it. And I mean, you know, God, if I had a company, I'd be doing it myself. But there is just there's so much available now it's it's actually frightening the variety that are there for horses um i recently just wrote something about the olden days where you know your horse had two rugs it was a stable rug come travel rug come sweat rug come after a bath rug and you had your your jute rug um you know that that served all them and then you had your new zealand turnout rug and they were your two rugs if you were super lucky you had um a sweatsheet you know, and now you have different weights, different designs, you know, magnetic rugs, therapy rugs, heat rugs, cool rugs. I mean, it could literally blow the mind with what is available. But all these companies are manufacturing things because there's a demand and because people will pay for them. And, you know, a lot of the time they will pay a hell of a lot of money for them. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, you know, I'm I'm guilty of buying things I think my horse needs, whether oh, they, you know, I love him, I adore him. That's the way Um, I think the difference is, though, I'm a bit like you in that I will, I won't just buy it because it's just come out to the market and I want to be the first to have it. I wait and I see what people say and I listen to maybe if there's any research or anecdotal stuff or I might try it for a bit or I'll see someone who's got it and, 
you know, I might ask advice and things like that. And I think one of the interesting things is um, stirrups has been a very recent kind of real difference. But I think there has been a lot of research put into stirrups as well. Um, And there's definitely some brands coming through that absolutely are fantastic. But the thing that I like about something like stirrups is that um, you buy it because it makes a difference or you feel more comfortable or it's technically safer or something like that. And it's built to last um, in theory. And okay, you can customize them. You can change things on them. You can have different colors if you want to. But it's not this sort of fast fashion to it. It's technical. Yeah. And there's definitely these two parts of the industry, isn't there? There's the kind of the technically driven, a bit like the rugs, you know, here's a new bit of technical driven, whatever. So it's either easier to clean, easier to change, easier to do the different liners in, or it does something for your horse from a sort of blood flow perspective or a healing or whatever, and all of those. So there's the kind of the technical driven stuff. Yeah. But what they aren't doing is going, here's this rug in pink, blue, black. And then the next season going was a slightly different pink, blue, black. And then the next season, it's, it, again, all ever such a slightly one. Yeah. Um, and that's the fashion industry. And, you know, fashion's been around for donkey's years, hasn't it? In in humans, like, you know, hundreds of years, fashion is a thing. It's about keeping up, feeling good, looking good, isn't it? Absolutely. And I mean, look, I, I, I can't deny I have a lot of stuff that have been gifted to me as a reviewer but I've also paid for a hell of a lot of stuff and a lot of the time I end up buying stuff from companies after I trial their stuff so you know it's I suppose the way I look at it is that we all want treats for ourselves and our horses you know we all want that nice fleece or that nice numna or we'll pay a little bit extra for really good girth and so on and you know it's like for me my staples but like my stirrups, I have um, a pair of MDC stirrups, actually. I've had them for a couple of years. I was given them as a product to review, and I've never changed from them. They they make a huge difference to my back and my ankles. And, you know, it's like, I think you need to be money-wise and smart when you're looking to invest. You know, there is a huge market out there, but, you know, it doesn't do any harm to research. And, you know, it's like... The, the, these colors there are people that will always buy the next color the newest color the deluxe color but you know for me no it's i might have maybe two or three very different colors of numbness but i'm not going to have something that it just looks like one is in the shade and one is in the sun but it's people i suppose everybody has different tastes everybody has different needs but i would say if you're kind of looking to update or to buy a new product research it have a look at it if you can try it try it but you know don't be every marketer's dream in the fact that everything they pitch you're running out to buy because a lot of the time there is absolutely no difference in the products yeah absolutely brilliant and it's really interesting having this discussion because so often I have discussions with people about wanting coaching with me or joining a program that I'm running or something and I I tell them the price of it and it's 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 a program that's genuinely going to change their mindset it's going to take them away from fear it's going to make them more confident it's going to overcome the problems that they're having that they'll go and buy the stirrups the saddle the bridle the bit the instruction whatever it is they think is going to happen in order to to make the difference in their riding because it's so much easier to market a product you can say here's all the technical specs for it here's why this research has happened here's all the things here's someone that's reviewed it 
um, you know, and it's so much, so much easier to do. But <laughs> interestingly enough, when it comes to buying mindsets, people, you know, I, it's it's a much harder sell in that respect of like, you know, well, if someone told you this saddle is going to mean you ride brilliantly, you're confident and um, you're going to enjoy it every time, they would fly off the shelves, wouldn't they? Yeah. You know? yeah. And yet sometimes it's a bit like coming back to what is important, isn't it? Is your training important? Is your horse's welfare important? Is your horse's training, you know, body and horse and everything? Um, and is your mindset in the right place? Because you might have the most beautiful kit, all the gear, no idea, but you might have all the gorgeous kit. But if you go into the show ring and your nerves get in the way or you don't perform at your best, then, you know, if you're not feeling confident or you can't get over it or you feel like an imposter, then that kit isn't actually doing what you're hoping it will do. No, no, it's not. And it, yeah, it's kind of I actually met someone last year and she was crippled walking across the car park. We were just coming back from getting some chips. And I said to her, what's wrong with you? And she said, oh, my back is killing me. And I said, would you not go get it checked out? And she actually said to me, no, I can't afford it because I just bought the X brand new release. Um, I, I, th I think it was a, some kind of pair of boots at the time. And I mean, she was willing to literally hobble across the car park. We had to literally get a crane to lift her onto the horse because she couldn't even bend getting up in him. I mean, this girl was in crippling pain, but she'd sooner that and have... Um, as I said, I believe it was a pair of boots um, that just came hot off the shelf. And it's like when you're doing something like that, that's insane. I mean, you're putting your your health at risk, you know, your equestrian career at risk because you're suffering just to have the must have product of that week. And the thing with humans is we're all driven by what's most important to us. And if we if we have a, a fear, a concern or a worry about not fitting in and that is greater than having a bad back or whatever it is then that will drive the behavior and I think you know if you're listening in and thinking oh that is me then you know it actually it can be changed um you just need to think what is driving my behavior what is driving my need for the latest greatest what why is it that I'm doing that and if you kind of you realize like you say that actually maybe I'm just trying to keep up or I'm trying to cover something over or I'm, I'm hoping I don't get found out for my ability or anything like that, then that's then the time to think maybe actually I need to change that bit rather than getting myself into debt or spending thousands and thousands of pounds or just being on this relentless hamster wheel of trying to keep up because yeah. you'll never keep, you'll never be able to do it. You will never be able to keep up. No. And the thing to remember is, you know, just because you can't buy February's must have, I don't know, bro band, you're not going to be left behind because you can be damn sure in March there's going to be another four of them out, you know, maybe not by company X, but company Z and Y will have them. So you're always going to be able to have something that somebody wants to have, but just, you know, they don't have it, but you will have it. Or, you know, it, it, you're never going to be without because the the equine world it's constantly revolving it's constantly producing it's constantly bringing out better things than we bought last week you know so there's never that fear that you're going to be left behind it's it's actually impossible yeah definitely and well that's how iphone do what they do isn't it we've yeah. you've all just bought the new one 
six months down the line, here's a better one. Oh no, yeah. look at all of those of you that bought that watch. You know, you, you always get the latest thing and then it's not very long and something better comes out. And that's just, that's just marketing actually. It's not life, it's marketing. That is deliberate, isn't it? Absolutely. I mean, that is what they do. I mean, look at the end of the day, they're in business. I mean, of course they're going to do it. But you know, sometimes I've actually, I've, I've, I've done it myself. I've rushed out and bought something and then, you know, a month or two months later, there's another one out. And I actually just think to myself, damn, I should have waited. And I know I'm not the only person that does that, you know. So sometimes it's a bit prioritizing. You know, you mightn't buy it in February, but it will still be there in March, April, May down the line. You know, if you just don't want to rush into something and give it a little bit of thought just in case something else does come out further down the line. And I think that's actually where people like yourself who are product reviewers rather than influencers, and we will just briefly check in on the difference of those as well, I think, um, is really helpful because we can go, oh, look, new thing. Right. You you test that. You see what you think about it. Um, tell us what it is. We're not going to waste money then on something that actually isn't that great. Um, and of, of course, it's your view on what you like and, and personal preference. So it's not necessarily going to be the same as everyone else's. But at least that gives the opportunity to go, is this a fad? Is this a thing? Is this really good marketing? And actually, it's not very good. Um, or is this something that's worth then investing in um, or considering? I suppose kind of my mantra is that I'll try before you buy because a lot of the time these products are gifted to me. Now, I, I don't just review products that are gifted. If I buy something and I find it absolutely amazing, I will review that as well. But I suppose a lot of newer companies coming onto the market will use the likes of me because I'm not a professional. I do not get paid to review these products. I do get gifted the products, which is amazing. But I have no reason to push a product upon the market because it does not financially benefit me in any way. And, you know, something that people started saying to me earlier on when I started doing this was, you know, it was nice to have a real person, you know, just like them, I have to get up and feed the horses at God hours of the morning, go to work, work to keep them and pay for them and so on. And, you know, people just like the fact that I'm one of them and I'm not some professional rider that gets paid thousands of euro to promote this product that in reality, a lot of them will never even see in person. You know, they just have their name associated with it. Um, and I suppose because I am not professional, I'm also not a professional videographer. I'm not a, you know, a trained reporter or reviewer, whatever you want to call it. So my videos may be basic. They may be blurry. They may not be in the best light. But what you do get is an honest opinion. Um, there have been a couple of people said you never do bad reviews. And I won't do bad reviews. And I never will. Because if I am sent a product that I just don't find good, it, it doesn't benefit me, I don't like it. I would sooner return it to the supplier and just say, look, it's just not for me. And I can't lie about it for the sake of doing a review. So look, I'd just sooner not do it. Um, and, you know, that's why I won't do bad reviews, because just maybe I don't like a product or I don't find it beneficial does not mean that everybody else in Ireland won't love it. And it's not my position to damage a company or to bad mouth the company's product. And I suppose that's where the difference in a product reviewer like me is is that it's very real it's very honest and you know you know if something is maybe hard to apply or 
there are little negatives. I will mention them as well because look, not every product can be 100% perfect and you know flawless. But what you do get is just look, I'm the same as you. This worked in my horse, you know, and it's just people getting an opportunity to see something up close, maybe to see it on, again, a real person because I am not a size eight or 10, you know, I'm, I'm not a model. And, you know, I think people resonate with the fact that I'm just like the rest of them, you know, I'm just basically a human that has horses like 99% of the equestrian community. Cool. Well, thank you so much. I think it's been absolutely fascinating talking to you and, and hearing what you say. And um, if people want you to review a product, can they kind of request that you do a review? Does that is that something you do? Or? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I have my Facebook page, Equine Sense and Sensibility, and they can just pop me a message on there or my phone number is on there. And I'll be delighted to talk it through with them. Super. And of course, anyone listening who's got products or a company or anything that wants to get you to review something, they can get in touch and ask you about that as well. Yeah, absolutely. Is there anything you've ever not wanted to review that someone's asked you? Has there ever been anything you've got? Oh, no. <laughs> Thank you very much. I was sent a pair of vastless leather chaps once. <laughs> <laughs> and they leaned us to say they were sent straight back. Um, an American company had contacted me about reviewing a pair of chaps, which I thought was great. But what I didn't realize is that they weren't actually an equestrian company. They were um, an adult company, we'll say, you know, for adult pleasures. So, yeah, they were sent back fairly quickly. Um, but other than weird. that, no, I've been very lucky in what I've been sent. <laughs> <laughs> There's always something that is absolutely <laughs> <laughs> oh such a shame you didn't review them I'd have loved to have seen that review oh, that would have been very amusing <laughs> but well thank you so so much for your time and it's been really interesting talking to you um and and yeah and and we'll we'll keep an eye out for what you've got coming up and I, I'm certainly gonna look a lot more at what you're doing now because it's such a great idea of just seeing what someone else thinks first and you I do get that. I tend to be the one who's got the kit before other people because I've seen it from from my because obviously I have a lot of sponsored riders and ambassadors and often they get stuff. And so I kind of hear it from them and things as well before I'll then go and buy it. But uh, it's always good to have someone who tries before I buy. Sounds good to me. So thank you so much. Everyone said it's, you know, it's been very interesting and thank you very much. So um, we will see you soon. Super. Thank you. And I hope you enjoyed this podcast as much as I did. If you want to listen to more of them, then please do follow us in Apple, in Google and on Podbean. Hack Your Mindset with Jenny is the name of this podcast. So please do subscribe, follow us and we look forward to you listening in to our next one. Bye, everyone. Who got this? You got this? You know you're going to rock this.